in Acts chapter number 12, we read of uh, a Herod. This is the grandson of the Herod in Luke chapter number 2. This is Herod Agrippa I. And um, let's just start reading, and we'll say a few things here in Acts chapter number 12. It says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. So here, the uh, grandson of the Herod in Luke chapter number 2, he has found a sport, and as the Bible says, vexing certain of the church. In verse number 2, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. He takes James here, who was leadership at the church at Jerusalem, and he kills James who's the brother of John. And um, he found out that it pleased the Jews when he did this. It pleased them. Um, I want to pause and say this. We do not, as believers, have a guarantee that we'll never face trials, we'll never face persecution, we'll never face hard times. But we do have a promise that we will receive the victory through Christ. He killed James, made the Jews happy, so he decided to take a step further in verse 3, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people." He saw how much it made the Jews happy that what he did to James, that he took Peter and assigned 16 soldiers, four quaternions, to watch over Peter. And after their holiday, they were going to take Peter and he was going to put him to death, just like he did James, but probably a little bit more because the Bible says that uh, he was kept in prison, that he was going to uh, make a spectacle of him. He was going to, I don't know what all he was going to do, uh, but he was going to bring him forth to the people. Verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers uh, before the door kept the prison. Now, he was going to take Peter and make a spectacle out of him, do whatever he was going to do to please the people and ultimately put him to death. And Peter's in there sleeping. Now, first time I ever read that, I thought, I couldn't have slept. I mean, can you imagine? You know, we're going to be making a spectacle out of you and do the same thing to you, what was happened to James. And your 16 soldiers are going to be marked, walked all around you and marked and to watch over you. And Peter zonked out so much that an angel literally had to poke him in the side and wake him up. Now, how did that happen? Well, one little thing that was pointed out to me years ago was the Lord told Peter during the Lord's earthly ministry that Peter would live to be such an, an older age that someone would have to take him by the hand and lead him around. Right. And Peter knew he wasn't at that point yet. Right. So he didn't know what was going to happen, but God was going to see him through it. Amen? Right. That's faith. Amen? Amen? Anyways, the rest of the chapter, we have the story of what happened as the church was praying for Peter and an angel was sent. We have an angel of deliverance that delivers Peter. But then the chapter ends with 
with an angel of judgment in the life of Herod. And I want us to read these two accounts, and then we'll pray and get into the message today. Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He thought he was dreaming. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. They got up to the iron gate, and it just opened up for them. Amen. And they went out. Now, you ought to be, that's exciting. You're like, yeah, that happens every day. No, it doesn't, all right? Huge iron gate protecting the city just opens right up. All right? And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, uh, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, the damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. And as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. Sixteen soldiers start scratching their head. What happened? Why were they so upset about it? Because the penalty for a soldier who lost their inmate was death. When Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. Here comes the second angel. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, set upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a god, and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not glory, God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Father, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you just take this message. I thank you, Lord, for what you showed and encouraged and helped me with. And I pray that, Lord, Lord would just be enabled by your spirit now to share the same things. I pray that, God, you put a hedge about this place and help us as we look at your word. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You say, was what we read true? Every bit of it happened, right? Just like the Bible says. And there's two here stories of these two angels. Might have been the same angel, um, but two angels mentioned. First of all, in verse number six is the angel of deliverance. This angel that came 
and to deliver Peter. Really simple message this morning. Just stay with me and think real quick. First of all, I want you to see in verse number 7 in our text that this angel approached. He came to Peter. Uh, in verse number seven, he, uh, he came to Peter. Verse number seven says, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. He approached Peter. He came to him. Not only did he come to him, but also the Bible says that a, he enlightened him. It says, and a light shined in the prison. He came to Peter. A bright light shone there in the prison. He awoke Peter, the Bible says, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise up quickly. He awoke Peter. He called him and said, hey, wake up. It's time to get out of here. Amen. He set him free. The Bible says that the chains just fell off of him. Amen. The chains fell off of him. And then he dressed him. The angel said to him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. Cast on thy garment in verse number 8 about thee. He addressed Peter. He directed Peter in verse number 8. He said, Come and follow me. He directed Peter. And Peter was amazed in verse 9 and 10 at all that this angel had done. Amen. That's an exciting story. You ought to be excited about it, right? Man, if I was in junior church, I'd be acting all this out, and you'd be entertained, man. All right, all right. But all these things happen. He approached Peter. He enlightened Peter. He awoke Peter. He set him free. He dressed him and, uh, and, and directed him, and he had absolutely left Peter just amazed and astonished at what this angel had done. When I read all those things, I thought, you know, that's what Christ did for us too. Let's go back and review that. Number one, he came to Peter. Aren't you thankful that the Lord came for us? The whole reason why we stop, and, and, uh, and I know some people, you know, they uh, don't get real excited about Christmas, and that's fine, right? Uh, but uh, I, I rejoice in the fact that Christ came. He came because he came for one purpose. He came for us. He came that all the world might be saved. You understand this, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without Christ's sacrifice, we have no hope of salvation. Now, everyone in the Old Testament was saved the same way that every one of us have been saved since the New Testament, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only difference is this, they look forward to what he would do. We look back at what he has done. Which is, by the way, not to get too deep in things. That's why they worked and then rested on the seventh day. But we start out rejoicing in the Lord and then live our life because of that day. Put it together. It's awesome, all right? But praise the Lord, all right? But the fact is this. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All those who died prior unto the Lord Jesus Christ coming, the Bible teaches that they went to Abraham's bosom. They went to a place called paradise. Um, that, that is why uh, in that story that there that remember the rich man and Lazarus there was a great gulf in between alright but they, uh, there, there was that communication there and the rich man cried out to Lazarus just a drop of cool water to cool my tongue he, there was Lazarus, and, and, uh, and, and, and I don't want to spend forever on this, but the fact is this that's why Jesus said to the disciples let not your hearts be troubled you believe in God, believe also in me In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, 
I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Now, what was the Lord doing when he said, I go to prepare a place for you? Makes nice songs and good little hymns. But the fact is this, he hasn't been working on our mansions for 2,000 years because he said in that statement, in my Father's house are many mansions. They were already there. So what did he have to do? Well, you study the Bible. The Bible says that when the Lord died, that he went down. That's what the Bible teaches. He went to paradise. He led captivity captive. He made a show of the devil and showed that he had conquered him. And when he rose from the grave three days later, the Bible says that he led them. And that's when he stopped and Mary was there. Mary Magdalene was said crying for her Lord. And he stopped and spoke her name. And she knew him. Amen. And he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended. Made a pit stop on his way, leading all captivity captive to heaven. Amen. And he approached heaven. He went there. Now, what had to be prepared for us to go to heaven? His blood was presented before a holy God. And that blood in the book of Hebrews still speaks on our behalf. Amen. And once the blood was presented, the sacrifice had been paid. Jesus paid it all. And now you and I can go to heaven because Christ has made the sacrifice for us. And anyone who dies in Christ to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. The fact is this, I go back to, I rejoice this time of the year that God loved us so much that Jesus was sent and that he came. He came because he loved us. He came and the Bible says he endured the cross for the prize that was set before him. Now, I'm not gloating, and you're not either, but the prize that was set before him was us. He went to the cross so that we could be saved. He paid all of that on the cross so that we could have salvation. And my friend, if you're here today and you've... Listen, it's not what we do that gets us to heaven. It's not our last name. It's not getting baptized. It's not sitting in a church. The fact is this, the only way to heaven, Jesus said these words... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. None of that could happen had he not come. So I'm thankful, number one, that he came. I'm thankful that he shined that light upon us. He is the light of the world. And the Bible says in the book of John that that light, now listen, if you're saved because that light had enlightened you one day, the Holy Spirit showed you your need of salvation. That light shone upon us, and according to John chapter number 1, that light shines upon all men. Amen. That's what the Bible says. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That light, and I, I remember when the Lord began to open my eyes to my need of salvation. There was times when I thought that. I don't know why. How ridiculous. There were times I didn't yield to that. And I sat in invitations and church services and said no to God. And if I would have died growing up in church, before the age of 14, I would have died and went to hell. I hate saying that, but it's true. Because I had rejected. But man, I remember so much sitting in a service on a Monday night my dad was preaching a revival in Trotwood, Ohio. He was preaching on the rapture and the return of Christ. And God got a hold of me. I knew I was lost. He said, you ran down the aisle and got saved. Nope. 
say, God, I'll do it tomorrow. What a foolish thing. God convicted me so much that night. I laid in my bed. I couldn't sleep. I finally had to make a deal with God. I'll get saved first thing in the morning. And here's how stupid, excuse me, and foolish I was. I said, God, if I don't get saved first thing in the morning, just kill me. Isn't that terrible? My mom just gasped, right? Yeah, right? That's what I said. But that eased my guilty conscience enough to be able to go to sleep. And I've had full intentions of doing just that. And at five in the morning on that Tuesday, my grandpa called and mom answered the phone. And said, hey, does Travis John want to go fishing? My mom knocked on my door at five in the morning. Said, your papa wants to know if you want to go fishing. Sure, yeah. I mean, 14 years old at five in the morning, you don't wake up for another five hours. You know, I was just Whatever. And I got in the truck with him. I, we drove to where we went. We got in a boat. We got out on the water. And somewhere right around 9 o'clock, I remembered what I told God. I didn't catch a fish all day. I was scared to death. I thought God was going to kill me. You know, every, every time the boat wobbled, I was like, this is it. You know, I just thought I was a goner, right? In God's mercy and grace also, amen? I walked in that night. I went back to my dad in his bedroom. I said, Dad, I got to get saved. And that night, I don't even know the verses he showed me, but I know that night I asked the Lord to save me. And I thank God he did that. I thank God that that light, the scriptures, Paul told Timothy, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. If the Lord speak into your heart and telling you your need of salvation, get saved today. Please get saved today. The Lord came... Well, the angel came to Peter, and the Lord came to me, came to you, amen. The Lord enlightened, or the angel did, enlightened Peter, and the Lord enlightened us. The Lord awoke Peter. I love this. It says there in verse number 7, after that light shone, and he smote Peter on the side, saying, Arise up quickly. He called for him. I'm thankful for that call. I'm thankful the Holy Spirit spoke, and I heard. I'm thankful I said yes. And we were... I was sleeping through this life. Dozed off to all things spiritual, but I'm thankful the Lord woke me up. And when he did, I like this, the chains fell off. Amen. All praise the Lord. Today you got saved. The chains of sin were broken. Amen. The curse of sin was broken. The power of sin. Listen, you and I, we were born into this world. We're sinners. We didn't sin and become sinners. We just sinned because that's what we do, man. I mean, no one had to train me out of sin. I never had, my wife and I had three children, never had to sit any of them down and say, now let me tell you how to tell a lie. I never had to sit down and say, let me teach you how to steal something and be a thief. They just came naturally that way. If you met me, you know why. She proud of me? I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, right? But the fact is this, all right? They're all born sinners. We are all born sinners. And the curse of sin and, and the bondage of sin, Jesus looked at some men and said one day, you have your father, the devil, and his will ye will do. 
The fact we were bound by sin, captive by sin, we didn't want to think about God, we didn't want to respect the things of God. And by the way, that's why this country and this world is in such a mess that it is. You keep pushing God out, and every man just does what's right in his own eyes. There's no sanctity of life. That's why you read about the killings and murders and all that's going on today, and man don't even blink an eye because there is no absolute authority in their life, and without it, we're a mess. Bound by sin. But the day you got saved, chains fell off. No longer, if you're saved today, you do not have to sin. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He that is born of God doth not commit sin. It's not the natural. If the Spirit of God is in control. Now listen, I've not been perfect since the day I was saved, and neither have you. But when I have fallen, it's because I did not put on the new man and instead was living and acting in the old man. Our flesh is still wicked. That's one of the things that makes heaven so wonderful is we're laying aside this corruption is put off and put on incorruption. Amen? We no longer would deal with the flesh in these things, but praise God, the chains fell off. Addiction doesn't have to control you. Sin does not have to make the demands in your life. If you're a child of God, you've been set free from that. By the way, so quit making excuses for sin. Well, the devil made me do it. No, not really. Every time you sin and I've sinned, it's because I chose to. Because the chains fell off. You say, well, you don't know my environment. No, you still made your own choice. Or what's popular in 2022 with young people? My parents. If you knew my parents, you'd understand. Listen, newsflash, all parents are imperfect. And further following newsflash, you will never stand before God and say, but God, my parents. Every man will give an account of himself. It's your choice. I'm not saying those things don't influence, but I'm saying you can overcome those things if you're a child of God. Because the chains fell off. Amen? And then we see this, that he dressed. Peter, gird thyself, cast thy garment on. He dressed Peter. Now listen, The day I got saved, you have to understand this. I was born a sinner. I was born and said that's what I was, and uh, and that's who I was. But the day I got saved, the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The day that I got saved, now when Jesus died on the cross, He took all of our sin upon Himself. He paid for all of our sins. That is why I believe that God in heaven turned out all the lights. Because man could not bear to see the Son of God bear the sins of the world. It was too much. God, for the only time in all of eternity that ever was and ever will be, that fellowship was broken. As God the Father turned His back on His Son. But at that moment, Jesus bore our sin and paid for our sins upon the cross. Our sins have been paid for. Now, the question is this. Have you received the gift of God? The Bible says that the moment that you put your faith in Him, for with the heart, Romans, with the heart, man believeth unto, unto righteousness. The moment that you receive Christ as your Savior, you were clothed in His righteousness. Oh, what a glorious thing. That's why when a God in heaven looks down, and listen, the devil's still an accuser. 
And the de- we give the devil so much ammunition to accuse us. I mean, it's Dan York's birthday. But the devil can have a great time accusing Dan York. Happy birthday, brother. But the fact is this, that the devil probably has reason to say, yeah, but did you see him? Did you see what he did? He can do that to me. He can do that to you. But all of us who are saved today, the God in heaven says, but the blood speaks on their behalf. All I see is the righteousness of my son, and that's why I get to go to heaven, because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Praise the Lord, he clothed us in his righteousness. I've been, he came for me, he enlightened me, he woke me, he set me free. Praise God, I've been dressed in his righteousness. And then the Bible says he directed, the angel did directed Peter. He said, follow me. I'm thankful the Lord just didn't leave us to flounder here on this earth. He has given us direction. And right here in this book, a King James Bible for us, we find the directions from God's Word. And we can know how to live and how God wants us to live. Is that a Baptist temple? Look at me. God expects us to live by His Word. In all manner of life, in our church polity, in our life's practice, in the way we worship, it is to be directed by this book. I'm glad God left us here with His Word, but also His Spirit. Amen? The Spirit of God was given to every one of us. The Bible says in Ephesians, the moment you got saved, you were sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit has indwelled us and we have his conviction, we have his guiding, we have his teaching, we have his comfort. God did not leave us here just to flounder in this world. He gave us the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit and praise the Lord for that. He directed Peter and Peter in verse 9 and 10 was just amazed. Just amazed at what God had done. And what God was doing. And the deliverance that God brought to Peter's life. You and I ought to stand amazed every day. At what God's done in our life. Praise the Lord for his deliverance. Praise the Lord for what God did. But the chapter ends with an angel of destruction. And this story is a little bit different. Herod. Herod. Um, was pretty upset when he found out what had happened. Verse number 19, there Herod is thinking that he has all the power. When Herod had sought for him, he found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. Herod couldn't believe that these men had failed him and he had the power of their life in her hand in his hand. He had him put to death. I'm the king. He failed me. I can do whatever I want to do. He was the king. He thought, I have all the power. Verse number 20, he saw himself as the one who provides. The people at Tyre and Sidon, Herod was upset at them. And they came and made king, made friends with the king's chamberlain, Blastus. And they were trying to kiss up to Herod because, according to verse number 20, Their country was nourished by the king's country. Herod was feeding Tyre and Sidon. They grew the food where he was, and he was providing for them. You owe me. I take care of you. He was the king 
thought he had all the power. He thought he was the one that could provide. Verse 21, he loved his prestige. On a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel on his throne. Gave this great oration, gave this great speech. He put on quite a show. The historian Josephus wrote about the same event. He said he wore, Herod did, an outfit that was silver, that reflected light. Josephus said he went and he sat out there in the sunlight. and Basically, people could hardly look at him because the reflecting. Uh, I would equate it like, not that he wore this, right? but, you know, if Brother Jordan walked outside in aluminum foil, right? Whoa, right? I don't know exactly what Herod's outfit was made out of, but you get the idea. He walked out there in this fancy clothing and he walked out there and sat on his throne. Light shined upon him and the glow people couldn't hardly even look at him. And then he gave this big speech. It's quite a speech, historian says. He talked about himself and how great he is. And how magnificent he is. And how everyone owes him. And all of a sudden, you see this man who thought he had all the power and that he was the man of provision. He was a man of prestige and thought he should be praised. Verse 22, the people gave a shout saying, It is the voice of a God, and not of a man. And Herod said, That's right. I am a God. Herod accepted all of that. He sat there, and it's, this is Herod's sin. He sat there thinking, I'm a man of power. I can provide. I have all the prestige, and I should be praised. Let's be honest. We've all been there. We've all looked at ourselves before salvation. I hope this is the case, and not since. But before salvation, I can control my own life. I can handle it. I can meet my needs. I don't need the Lord. I am who I am. And we live in a world today where men are lovers of themselves. Just like Paul prophesied would be in the last days. Men love themselves. They promote themselves. Starting with the tween holding the selfie picture and posing and making sure everything is just perfect so she gets all kinds of likes. To the boy dunking the basketball and posting the video on YouTube. To the actors, sports, and common folks like you and me. We love ourselves. We're so consumed with ourselves and we live for ourselves. And so many people live their life with no thought of God. I can handle my life. I, I, I'm, I'm a man. I, I, I can handle things. I, I can provide for myself. I don't need the Lord. There's all kinds of different types of houses we knock on around us. There's some days we pull into neighborhoods with 
houses in it that I have no idea how much they could have paid for these monstrosity of houses. It seems like every door you knock on, we're good. We're good. Last year we went down to opening day, the Reds, and we just passed out tracks. Person after person said, no thanks, we're good. There's none good. And really when we left that day and we leave places like houses I just described, my heart breaks because for all of eternity they will never forget the day that someone tried to hand them a track. Someone tried to talk to them about the Lord. And it used to be that you go and do some, maybe some lower income housings. And it used to be that they were much more receptive because they realized this can't be what life's all about. But we're losing that today too. In this country, even our poorest have a lot. And there's no need of God because a generation of kids have been raised in school that you don't need God. We've gone over to England a few times. Over in England, faith and God is looked upon as a crutch. It's not needed. You're weak if you need faith. There is no God. This country's following suit. But God is still so merciful. He still tries to reach us and tell us. If you're here today and you've not put your faith in Christ, God's not mad at you. He just wants you to come to Him today. God may have allowed some things in your life to get you to a point to where you'd listen, but that's God's mercy. To say, listen, I love you. You say, well, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what Herod did too. And I just close with this. Herod's sin led to Herod being slain. Verse 23, people said it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Because he gave not God the glory. Oh, my friend, Herod sat in the presence of James and Peter. He had heard all kinds of stories and knew who these men were. Paul had stood before and shared a testimony with his family. It was no secret. And Herod said, no. Because he refused to give God the glory and refused to say, yes, Lord, you're right. Instead, to recognize who is the king. Instead of recognizing that he needed salvation. He said, I'm the king. I can handle it. It's my life. He refused to give God the glory. Because of that, the Bible says, when the angel smote him, that he was eaten of worms. Being the rotten person that he was, he died from the inside out. It's interesting to read that same historian write about this event that said it immediately at this 
event here, all of a sudden, Josephus wrote that Herod had great pains in his stomach. He couldn't finish his speech. began to double over in pain. And this is not contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible says he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Josephus says he lived for days in absolute agony until he died. Having never repented and never acknowledging who the Lord is. Today, I just want you to consider. I hope you're rejoicing in the angel of deliverance. I hope you're rejoicing in what Christ has done for you. If you're lost, every one of us will one day stand before the Lord. And I can promise you this, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. I just hope that that recognition is on this side and not before it's too late. If you're lost today, be saved. Because the Lord only wants one thing, for you to have a relationship with Him. But to reject Him demands the wrath of God. So please today, hear this simple message. Be saved today.